Welcome to Heavy Hops. My name is Alexi. And my name's Sam. Today we welcome back Luca Sumarusti, drummer of Luggage, protagonist of Annihilus, and music critic for the Chicago Reader, and Greg Elzinga of Metal Vinyl Weekend. Both these guys have been on the show in the past, and we were so glad to have them back. Annihilus's debut full-length, Ganema, has been well-received and positively reviewed, leading to inclusion on year-end lists, including Bandcamp's Best Metal Albums of 2020. While it's been a slow year for live music and in-person events, Greg gives us insight into what exciting plans he has for Metal Vinyl Weekend in 2021. We also reveal our top five North American heavy albums for 2020. We also discuss how we keep up with releases throughout the year, what sources we use to find new music, and what we look forward to next year. Our top picks, a massive year-end encompassing playlist and information about all the beers discussed and enjoyed can be found in the episode notes. Be sure to follow us on your preferred social media platform and leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you access podcasts. You can find all of our podcasts on scorchedtundra.com slash heavyhops. Thanks for joining us through a crazy year of 2020, and we look forward to having you with us in 2021. Let's dive and get heavy. Welcome to Heavy Hops, the, the final episode of the year. The final um, episode. We made it one year. We are not a year old, but this is the oh, end of the calendar year. That's and a it's that's, our last that's episode. That's more what I'm talking about. What a year. <laughs> our show is our show isn't a year old, but uh um joining us uh are uh, friends of the show and uh guests of guests of uh heavy hops past. Uh Luca Simarusi and Greg Elzinga, welcome. Thank you for having me again. Yeah. yeah. We are uh we are here to talk about some of our uh favorite albums of the year. This is the North American edition. Those of you who uh, are interested in the international edition, uh check out episode 25 where we talk about our favorite albums from the world at large. Today we're focusing on North America. And uh, we didn't, we, no one else really came to mind except for Luca and Greg for this. So we're really happy to uh, have them along and we're really happy to uh, talk about some of these, these great albums. There's a real awesome variety in everyone's list. I'm really, really happy for that. Mm -hmm. Same. Um, so uh, let's, let's catch up a little bit. Um, Greg, uh, you know, I know it's been a little bit of a difficult year for, uh, you know, things like metal vinyl weekends and get togethers. Have you got some uh, cool stuff on the, on the horizon for, for next year with metal vinyl weekend? Yeah, we started some projects like earlier in the year that kind of got the brakes pumped a little bit, obviously. Um, I have some friends that have a distillery in the burbs. Uh, it's called uh, the Thornton distilling company. Um, they have this really excellent space and, We've worked together on some projects before. We've brought out resin and loom and uh, relayer and uh, really had a great response from everyone there. And so we wanted to keep using that space. So we're hoping to probably start booking more shows out there once that becomes possible. And they also have a really fantastic space in the basement that is almost like um, 
reminds me of like an old catacomb or something like that, but it's just this really kind of dark and damp space that um, has fantastic acoustics. And we're going to try to start doing some recordings and stuff down there. Um, we already got a recording engineer and a videographer and photographer that are interested. And um, we're really looking forward to starting that project. We've got some bands that have pretty much all signed on as soon as we're like organized and ready to go. We're just kind of hoping that we can start moving forward with um, being all in the same room and being able to actually like make this happen. So mm -hmm. those, those are like the big plans that I'm working on trying to start doing maybe some more, um, some more options for getting uh, music out there, uh, like analog, uh, potentially maybe doing some uh, online streams for DJ sets or uh, maybe even maybe doing something like a radio station or something like that. I've started to do a little bit of investigation as to how to get that stuff out there as well. So um, just has definitely forced me to think of new ways to uh, try to bring my friends together and also uh, deliver music to, or like new music to people who I know appreciate it. So Spotify does a great job. We've, uh, and like a band camp and all those other places, it's been really nice to have those resources. But um, I don't know, the having that one-on-one -on -one has been, or not one-on-one, -on -one, but like, to have that that source directly is uh, something that I miss being a part of. So hopefully we can move forward with that soon. Yeah, live from the catacombs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it'll be it'll be creepy recordings. Just like it's a really small space, so like it'll be stripped down, just like um, potentially like acoustic sets or even like acapella, and like trying to find people that just want to do some like really creepy weird stuff. So like. Um, we've got a bunch of like cool synth projects and like, um, talk to like Oswario and like a few other bands that are like two pieces and things that I think would be a good fit for that space. So Sweet Cobra was talking about doing it and I think Cloakroom sounds like they might be on board. So there's like a bunch of cool, like diverse bands that we've already talked to that seem to be really interested. So like potentially if we can move that forward, we might do something like a, um, like a box set or something with like a compilation of all the artists that we've worked with down the road, but we're going to try to keep it diverse. Like I'd really like to do a heavy focus on like dark stuff like metal and post-punk and things like that. But we also want to try to keep the options open to bring in hip hop or, um, other things that, uh, we think might fit fit that bill where it's like we're going to keep a brand a little bit but we want to keep it an open option for people to use that space and music musicians to be able to participate so we'll see what we can make happen yeah i got a band for you to try and get in there they're called gramps the vamp yeah yeah it's like weird avant-garde jazzy dark weird cinematic it's all over the board I think it would be pretty cool in like uh, that kind of a setting for sure. That's awesome. Yeah, send me over a link. I'd love that. Yeah, will do. Awesome. Uh, it's been a uh, a great year for you, Luca, in the sense of getting the Annihilus album out and um, letting you know 
the reception seems to have been really phenomenal. I think last time we all chatted, it was maybe a couple of weeks before the album had come out, but um, seems as though the reception has been really good. Uh, how do you feel about, uh, about how it's been since the album came out? It's been really exciting, uh, especially for this, like the first time having done this project to like this extent, like having a full length album. And uh, I kind of didn't really have too much expectations as far as, you know, who would be interested or who would get into it. But it kind of like, kind of blowing my mind, like it made like uh, the Bandcamp best albums of the year list, which was really exciting for me. So it's been, it. I'm like, I'm totally surprised and blown away and like really touched that people who are into not just heavy music, but kind of into heady things all around have been, uh, been on board with it. It's, it's, it's really cool and really exciting. Awesome. Are, uh, do you have any plans to, uh, take this project live when the time comes for something like that? Well, I'm still like on the fence about the live thing. Like, uh, you know, if it came down to it, I have some friends who would definitely be interested. Uh, kind of just figuring out if uh, there will be the right time to do that, I guess. Uh, I'm not against it. It's not like my main priority, but if it happened, it could be really fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think people get really stoked about those single person projects getting together and playing live shows. So I, I have no doubt that people would come out and see it. Mm-hmm. I think it'd be, it could be a very, very cool. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and is there anything new happening on the front with uh, luggage? Yeah, actually uh, it's funny over the past, like handful of days, probably the past four days, I, I booked studio time for, to record a new Annihilus LP Mm-hmm. And then one week after that, Luggage books studio time to record a new six-song EP. So I have a very busy January ahead of me. So that's it's actually, for a time like this, when there's so much sitting around and stewing and uh, not leaving the house, having this like kind of like sudden like bloom of creativity in my life, you know, for the dead of winter, it's something that I'm really excited to focus on moving forward. So it's uh, going to be cool for, for both projects, 2021. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I know, yeah, I'm very stoked for uh, for new luggage material, and it's great to hear that on the back of, um, you know, the Annihilus debut that you're already planning new material, and sometimes it's easy to get an itch to continue with something like that once you get a really good reception. Do you feel as though that's the case? Yeah, it was, uh, it, that definitely had a lot to do with it, because I mean, it was part of that. And also, you know, like I said, being inside and not really knowing the future of anything this year, I had a lot of time to sit around and like, you know, record demos and write stuff just on the couch. And, you know, kind of by the time the record was starting to pick up a little bit of momentum upon its release, I, I was sitting on eight new songs. So it was kind of, it kind of feels good to just kind of not even like take a breath, just kind of keep the train rolling. So, and, and having like people actually like and care about the record is absolutely motivation to uh to not stop at this like to not take a break so yeah there's a lot to do with it for sure Mm, awesome that's exciting um yeah what are we uh what's everyone drinking what what of our guests have uh for for beverage choices today like be a high life yeah, well, I chose uh, <laughs> from uh, our neighbors up north a delicious, crisp, 
uh, refreshing uh, Miller Lite. Oh, right. <laughs> it's uh, it's got a nice mellow bouquet, uh, a nice uh, you know refreshing mouthfeel. Uh, it's, it's it's a good one. I recommend it for you guys. Would you say it goes Excellent. down like water? Oh yeah. Excellent. <laughs> Stay hydrated, right? Yeah. yeah. And Stay also. I brought it for uh, later on in the show. If I want something a little bit more full flavored, I brought it's a close, co close but spicier cousin, a Miller High Life in a bottle. Oh, excellent! The only way to drink High Life is out of there that clear is. twelve ounce bottle. It's true. It's true. A High Life can is not a good treat, but a High Life bottle is uh, just just heavenly. So yeah. can't wait to bust that guy open in a little bit here. Mm, excellent, um, Greg. What about what are you enjoying right now? So I have a nice uh, Trifonde, uh Lambic Ode Creek. Oh, oh excellent. Nice. Very excellent. Nice. <laughs> and I also have a Three Floyds um, Permanent Funeral. It's the beer they made for uh, Pig Destroyer. Or mm -hmm. One of the beers they've made for Pig Destroyer has a uh, wild artwork. And um, they won a silver medal for it, I think, like the very first year they put it out. Um, it's one of the more aggressive ones that they make. It's pretty like high on the IBU scale, but, um, I kind of thought they were never going to make this beer again because it was like pretty expensive. And, um, I don't know, like I just, I had seen that like a bunch of their double IPAs had gone missing, uh, like Dreadnought and Arctic Panzer Wolf. And a few of them have returned and Permanent Funeral was in that list. And that's of like my favorite double IPAs that they make. So I'm excited to have this one and it's relatively fresh. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and a uh, 12 ounce bottle. All right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's nice too. I've uh, taken down a bomber. That's uh rough. <laughs> what, what's, uh, what's the, uh, alcohol percentage on it? Oh, it's like nine, I think, or almost maybe almost 10. Yeah. That'll uh, do it. Yeah. This guy actually <laughs> last night had two of them. And he was all excited. He just wanted an IPA. He ordered a second and he was like, come back around. I'll tell you when I want another. And he actually, after the second, <laughs> like, I think I'm going to call it quits. Those like snuck up on me pretty quick. I was like, yeah, man, that's a serious that's beer. How, that's how it goes. You know what beer I miss from them is uh, Lord Rear Admiral. That beer oh, was yeah. good. That's mm. agreed. Um, that had like such a nice, like fruity flavor to it. Um, they would like change. It would like change a little bit batch by batch. And I always loved to see those little differences because it was like, sometimes it'd be a little more caramelized. Sometimes it'd be like almost like kind of pineapple that had like a really uh, wild fluctuation, but it was like in the best possible way. I really loved that beer. Yeah. Hopefully next year we'll be able to see it again with more production, but time will tell, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm sipping on some brownie points from Maplewood, actually. Um, super nice, good, like, chocolatey caramel body. Got a really good vanilla note in there. I just, it's a beer I've always liked by them, and it's kind of like one of my go-to brown ales if I can't get the spiteful brown ale. Mm. Yeah, Maplewood uh, definitely does well with those, with those maltier beers, and I feel like... Um, uh, brown. Anyone that decides to make brown ale, uh, whether it's seasonal or year-round, should should be consumed. <laughs> definitely, definitely. 
Yeah. What do you got? Uh, yeah, so uh, I've decided to go for some Didola. Uh, Didola is one of my favorite brewers. They're from uh, the Flanders region of uh, Belgium, and they're known for stronger beers, unique uh, yeast character, high fermentation, um, typically uh, Belgian or British hops. And so I went for the Boscoon, which is a beer they make around Easter every year. It's made with um, British hops. There is uh, native, native produced honey in it as well. And it has a really, really beautiful, like light fruit, golden fruit flavor, uh, aroma and flavor. It is 10% uh, alcohol, so it is a little stronger. Uh, so hopefully I don't stutter too much or my stutter is fixed. Uh, but it's uh, one of my favorite beers from them. And I, I really have found that I got away from beers that had like really strong Belgian yeast quality for a while. Uh, some people find it really pleasant and endearing, uh, which is kind of where I sit now. And others find that to be kind of headache inducing. I think that like that uh, banana, clove, bubblegum, that fruit and sweet realm that you can get out of it is like pretty polarizing for people. Like when you're first getting into beer, you can like be into it, but you may also be into it because it's 10% alcohol. Um, but it's typically depends on how sweet the rest of the beer is that dictates whether it's like headache inducing for me or not. So like a delirium would give me a little bit of a headache. Whereas this beer is enough of that, uh, that sweetness uh, and that yeast quality to where it's still enjoyable without being super headache inducing. Um, and it ages really well. This is a 2017 bottle and it's phenomenal. So I'm really happy that, uh, the stores can do the aging for me. <laughs> <laughs> Always uh, pleasant. Always pleasant. I guess. Yeah. I would, I would love for, I would love for the beers just to be flying <laughs> off the shelf, but yeah, <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll take it. Um, so before we jump into our top album lists, I think it's worth kind of discussing some kind of generalities about the industry and also like where are we finding uh, the albums and what are some resources for people to look for? Because it's a little overwhelming, I think, for people to uh jump in and follow music all the time because uh you know the playlist that i made that had some of the 2020 releases was you know 3000 songs and 100 releases so it's <laughs> it's it's challenging and i kind of want to know from uh from our guests like how do you stay on top of things and what are some of the things that you saw as generalities throughout the year i guess we can start with uh, luca this time uh, as far as keeping up with things, I have like three main resources, I guess. The the first one is like media, like music media outlets are always uh, like across the board are always helpful. Like Bandcamp is, is great. Bandcamp is constantly covering great stuff that's new. So I use that a lot. I, uh, I also the advantage that I'm a, uh, I'm a music writer. So I get promos every day. And occasionally those promos will be really, really sick. <laughs> like I'll get like a, the new Boris record one day. I'm like, oh, that's a nice surprise today. Stuff like that. And then uh, 
a big thing for me is I'm a member of a couple like Facebook groups that are really, really helpful. Like there's this one I love called Noise Rock Now. We're just like a bunch of like dudes across the world who love all noise rock and they just share new stuff, old stuff. And I found a lot of really, really good shit on there. Um, a lot of stuff that uh, I probably would have heard of anyway, you know, any other way from like around the world. So that's like, those are my main ways that I've kept up the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. And for you, Greg? Yeah, I, um, I can't stress on Bandcamp more either. Like they're such a great program and like, I think that they sound that they treat their artists the best. And um, I really like, I like that you can go in and like sample and decide a lot of, a lot of times the bands will even just put up whether or not you can like just give them a little bit of money. It's like, you don't really have to, I mean, as much as I'd love to see everybody give all the money, a company like Spotify, you'll just pay that premium and then forget about it where it's like, I'd, I'd rather know my five bucks or, eight bucks is going directly to the band. So I like, I really like, or maybe, I don't know if it's not all of it, but sometimes with like Bandcamp Friday and things like that, they really offer such a great program. And um, then I also use like a couple of uh, different websites. Um, There's uh, the PRP.com. I really like a lot. They've got like, um, they have a releases section and it's all like broken down by month. And it's really like, well put together. It's got everything from like Centra Media and uh, Profound Lore. And um, you'll even find some stuff that's a little um, like off brand or like off genre, like, but still within that realm, it's like not very, it's not like uh, narrow minded heavy metal. There's a lot of really um, diverse stuff on there. Um, and then I go to another site called uh, Doom Charts. Um, Doom Charts is great. Um, they like, I feel like they grab a lot of stuff that the PRP misses. Um, there's a lot of uh, like cool um, uh, international releases of like weird stoner and psych bands and stuff that I wouldn't find there. And um, that is, those are like really good resources for me finding stuff that I can't find. Um, I do really miss. I like. I maybe you can still go in and check from time to time, but. I haven't really been going out much, but I really miss Reckless Records being able to like go through their metal selection. Like to me, this has really shown how important having a, a, a like in-person record store is because it's like those guys put in so much work to put in their little um, uh, like record descriptors and stuff like that. A lot of times I'll go in there with like no intentions of knowing what I'm going to buy just because I know chances are I'm going to stumble across something and just whoever wrote the review on that record alone makes me want to buy it. So, um, and, uh, like bucket of blood and guys like that all do such a great job at that stuff too. And it seems like they're putting in a uh, bucket of blood specifically is putting in like a lot of effort to be in connected with their, um, customers and making sure they're like getting their vinyl and keeping record shopping, uh, like a significant thing. So I'm hoping that, is able to keep up in this like downtime that we're in at least hopefully this doesn't last forever you know mm-hmm. yeah i definitely want to give a lot of credit to grant at bucket because he puts he, he does a lot of good work curating that store and it's every time i go in i'm just I, i'm a lot like you i go in i'm like i think i want this if they have it i'll pick it up and then i end up walking out with three or four other things you know it's just 
a really well curated store for us to have in Chicago that I really, really enjoy. Agreed. Yeah. Um, I, I think that Bucket of Blood has a really, has a tight selection. I, I think that for me, I've been spending a lot of time looking at like different record labels or like really small kind of like people that operate in this way that's like between being an enthusiast and being like a record label. I wouldn't call it like a, a mail order, but um, I've really enjoyed uh, Solatron. He's uh, Dave Schmidt of Electric Moon. I think I talked about him last episode, but it's worth bringing up again, like someone that has access to a lot of who's really in touch with a specific scene and goes way above and beyond to get a lot of different pressings and to host this one spot where you can get all these different pressings. Uh, for me, like shopping for vinyl is, you know, one of definitely about the stores or buying direct from the bands. And then two, it's about supporting these kinds of enthusiasts or like these curators in a way, because the scene really needs those people too. Um, especially like if there are people that also put on live shows, they're not putting on live shows or they're often musicians themselves and they're trying to do more with music than what they do, uh, professionally. And then I don't really find out about music, but I've, I am a little guilty of, uh, visiting discogs and spending money on very specific pressings. And, um, I don't know. I feel like, uh, I don't know if, if either if anyone here spends a lot of time on Discogs, but in one way, like <laughs> I feel like sometimes I'm kind of ripped off. Uh, in another way, I feel like I deserve to get ripped off for being on there. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah. It, I spent that... <laughs> I spent like hundred bucks on a Down Nola repress, like or not a repress, but like uh, it was some like crazy uh, bootleg. But they, uh, when I bought it, that like didn't that record like didn't exist. Like almost everyone that I knew said that that record like didn't come out on vinyl before it got the repress. So when I found the copy, um, I did some research and it like it did get like a small pressing or whatever. But I guess I just fucked up and bought a bootleg. But I paid like um, first pressing prices for this record, and then later on I found out it was only worth like sixty bucks. <laughs> Oh, was, no. Oh, well, I guess I'm never trading this record or anything. I'm just going to eat it and own this yeah. forever. So Damn. I've yeah. been, I've been, since I got a record player, I've been trying to get a pressing of Antichrist Superstar since I've had a record player. And to this day, like, I, I can't find one for under 400 bucks. That's not a bootleg. So I'm like, no, nah, it's, it's something I want, but not that bad. Yeah, I paid like 120 for um um Portrait of American Family, but it like Damn. Came with, yeah, it came with a t-shirt though, which is pretty sick. Um oh. like Hot Topic is the only person who did that re like release apparently. Like yeah. I did a bunch of um research to try to find it and apparently like they just did an in-store thing and every record was like a small box set that had a, like a t-shirt with like a sticker with the shirt size. And I yep. happened to find like an unopened one with my shirt size. It's like, okay. That's great. Yeah. I have that one. I, I actually waited 
in line to get one when they oh, said that. <laughs> yeah, because I think that was for the 20 year, 25 year. No, it was definitely the 20 year. I think it was 2014. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, no, that's a great record. I love that record. Um, definitely a good, good pressing of that album too. I really enjoy it. Yeah, I'll pull it out on DJ sets from time to time and like you'll see a couple people in the room just lose their fucking mind. Yeah. So. Oh yeah. Uh fucking dogma on that record. Every time I hear that song, especially if I'm out and about, you, you like never hear it. But when you do, I'm just like, someone gets it. Yes. Totally. <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> do you have any feelings about Discogs, Luca? Uh I it I use it too much. <laughs> uh, I often use it when I'm like, when I come home from, you know, back before pre COVID times, I would come home from the bar, feel a little spicy and fire up the Discogs app. And, you know, in a couple of days, there'd be like too much money worth of records arriving at my front door. I'm like, where did this come from? <laughs> like, <laughs> So yeah, I, I love it. Uh, and I realized that like, I know that a lot of Discog sellers are, uh, you know, kind of like Gamergate style, like grody Punisher types. And uh, I realized that I should be spending that money at local record stores, but sometimes it's just like, there's so much to work with there that it's, it's kind of, it's kind of nice. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I feel the same way. Like, I'd say like 70% of the time future me is happy. Um, yeah. Yeah. But like also, also it's, it's, uh, I don't know. I, I feel as though I would love to temper that behavior, but it does feel good when you find something that's precisely like what you were looking for. And yeah. there's very few other places that you can have that experience, unfortunately. It's, I found it's really good for, like, if you're looking for, like, a very specific, like, old country record, like an old, like, George Jones or, like, you know, like, David Allen Co. record, like, you could buy them on Discogs for, like, two bucks, two dollars shipping, and, like, one night, just, like, buy a handful of them, <laughs> they'll all arrive, and you'll spend, like, 20 bucks. Like, it's kind of, like, for things like that, like, like, used records that there's tons and tons of, but kind of hard to find specifically what you're looking for. It's good for that. And don't usually feel too bad about that. Mm, good point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Like old, old 45s and uh, stuff like old, like Curtis Mayfield records and things like that. Like stuff that I um, maybe don't have the patience to go sift through <laughs> at like some record store to go find uh, some whatever. Yeah. Weird, a one-off press or something. So I agree with that for sure. I also like Discogs for, uh, as you can see behind me, uh, sometimes I'll get in the mode where I'll just like buy a bunch of like $2 CDs and Discogs is great for that. You can buy them for like 50 cents sometimes. So, you know, if you're just trying to like bulk up on certain things, it's all right for that. <laughs> yeah, I was uh, I was just looking at prices of Antichrist Superstar vinyl on Discogs, uh, and I uh, found that you could you could buy <laughs> the CD versions for fifty cents there. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yep. so yeah, that that uh, that that makes sense, and I do think that there is a lot of value for that for the convenience of that, and especially because we can't go to stores if. If you need that Hank Williams pressing that's cheap, go for it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. With that being said, I do try to 
uh, patronize local record shops as much as possible, but sometimes the Discogs surf is nice. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. Who are uh, some of the record labels uh, and or, yeah, like we could say record labels that you think have done really, really well this year or that are kind of uh, tastemakers that you'd pay attention to going into next year? Uh, I always think Relapse is doing good shit. So uh, I will always look to them for things. Sacred Bones, I really like. Uh, Deus, I really like. Those are kind of three big ones for me. Off the top Mm -hmm. of my head, at least. Yeah. Yeah, I love, uh, like, I like a lot of the stuff that um, Profound Lore does. Usually, um, 20 bucks spin seems to be, like, pretty uh, reliable. I didn't really honestly see a ton from them this year, but um, I still always try to pay attention to them. Um, and another one that actually, like, on my, it didn't end up making my best of list, but, like, an honorable mention was on um, Iron Bonehead's records. I seem to like a lot of their stuff that they put out. It's like they seem to be in touch with punk music a lot. And I feel like there's a lot of times where you'll get like cool crossover stuff. But I found this record, um, Golden Light. Um, I was just playing it the other day while I was like trying to think of stuff that I was into. And I came across that and didn't recognize it. And um, it's pretty stoned and just like let that play out for a little while. And um, man, that caught me by surprise. I like, I didn't listen to it. Um, I haven't given it a long enough listen to make sure that it's like in my tops, but that record really um, like caught me off guard. It's really fucking good. Mm. Um, And I think that Iron Bonehead and like in the past has put out a lot of really great shit too. Yeah. I was going to say, I like Gilead Media and Hex Records a lot too. Those are like kind of good, like creepy, subversive uh, noise and metal labels. Those are usually delivered good shit. Gilead's mm-hmm. a good one for sure. I'm I'm really big. I talked about them last time, but Sergeant House is one of my favorites too. Yeah, they're good. Absolutely love them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I've definitely dipped into the Gilead catalog a few times and put some of their bands on Scorched Tundra. I uh, I would love to go to at some point to Migration Festival that uh, that they organize as well. I think that would be super duper cool. Yeah, he's always putting something something cool out. Yeah, have any of you been up to his store in? Uh, gosh, gosh, right. Yeah, I think it's yeah. A, yeah somewhere north in Wisconsin by a lake. Yeah. I guess everything's by a lake in Wisconsin, but uh. <laughs> <laughs> I've not been there. I bet it's awesome though. I heard he's like a a hilarious, great dude to hang out with too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would love maybe uh, maybe someday when I'm going up to the Northwoods for some cherry wine, I'll stop in and. Uh, He's uh he's posted a lot of really cool stuff outside of his own catalog that I'd be excited to to check out. Uh seems like a very very uh well curated selection there. Totally. Absolutely. Uh sick. Well, I'm ready to dive into top 5s. I'm excited uh to hear from you guys. So, um Greg, would you like to start with your top 5 for the year? Sure. Yeah, the First one I had just written down, I don't really have them in any particular order, um, but um, this ended up on, like, even on, on my list that I was checking through, like, Doom Shard and stuff like that, it ended up on a lot of top lists as the Huntsman, uh, the Mandela of Fear, that record, uh, 
it's just so good. It's like heavy and diverse. It's uh, got so many different um, elements of uh, influence. It's like I, I can really tell that it jumps all over the place, but like seamlessly. I really dig that record a lot. Um, and then Lesser Glow, uh, Nullility, I think is how it's pronounced. Um, that record is super heavy. It's got like really great guitar tones and um, reminds me of a few different bands, but it's not like generic. They kind of like do their own thing. And so uh, I really dug that record too. Um, Midnight's uh, Rebirth of Blasphemy. I think I had mentioned that on the first time I was on the show. Um, man, uh, that I love that band so much. They're like entertaining live and um, every record they put out is a ripper. It's like maybe some songs are stronger than others, but who's perfect, you know? It's, um, those EP that like Shocks of Violence EP is incredible. Like everything they put out is awesome, but that was a really great release. And then uh, Resins, uh, the Chaotic Divine, um, those dudes are the homies and just got to say like that they write great music. I love seeing them play and they're great dudes and I like any chance that I can give to give them props. I would love to. So um, they don't need it. They're an incredible, incredible band. And everybody that I know that hears them like passes them along. Like they're, they're a great band. Um, and then also on my last uh, time I was on the show, I mentioned the, in the company of serpents, Lux, um, that's also got like a good collection of influence. It's like definitely not a boring record by any means. There's like a lot of stuff going on there and I really dig it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Were you, uh, were you out of curiosity, um, uh, JJ from the obelisk wrote a really good review of the resin album and he reviewed it from the perspective of actually listening to the discs and not like digitally. And I was kind of curious uh, for you, Greg, if you had listened to it uh, from that or uh, digitally. Unfortunately, I haven't had a chance to pick it up on, uh, on record yet, but I can only imagine um, that that record will fill up my apartment incredibly well. Um, I have a small place and uh, with the, uh, uh, the recording that they that I've heard just digitally, uh, I, I can only imagine how that would transfer on analog, and I can't wait to hear it. Yeah, I I, I was thinking that uh, I enjoyed this album a lot, and uh, I thought that how I imagined I well I imagined it as like a four sided experience, and the way that I imagined kind of the sides working out when because I guess that's all I do when I listen to music. <laughs> just think about that um but it uh the album like flowed very well in my imagination there and then when i read the review of it i'll put a link to the review in the episode notes but the cuts are actually in different places than what i imagined and so his review was totally different than what i imagined <laughs> that's funny uh yeah, a, uh, you know, 11 song album. And uh, it was, uh, yeah. So I, I didn't know. I thought, just wanted to ask. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I, I've, that's on my list of like must haves uh, in my like queue of records to buy for sure. Mm -hmm. um, um, what about, what about uh, some other, other notable items uh, that may not have made? I understand five is a restrictive number. Yeah, it was definitely really hard to pick. There's like um, 
and especially again like trying to stay kind of in the realm of what we're all here for is the heavier stuff but um that band soft kill um my god (laughs) so good like they um i mean they end up on some bills with some heavier bands like i've seen them tour with like harm's way uh i saw them play with like skeleton witch and um wigged dude and like um uh i think it was devil master at uh lincoln hall it's like they um they end up with heavier bands so it's not unlikely that people are gonna come across them just naturally anyways but i'd love to give a shout out to like anybody who's into um stuff like depeche mode or um like any of the that cool kind of like new wavy but like with the tinge of post-punk it's like they play real instruments it's not all synth so like anybody that's nervous that it's just going to be a bunch of keyboards or whatever like they're out there playing real musicians like it's a really great set um and they also like visually i think when they play it's uh always really nice to like they always fog everything out it's like really easy to kind of just get like lost in their show um and then I also mentioned earlier that Golden Light record. Um, I can't wait to listen to that more. Um, they're like, in all honesty, like there was a minute at the very beginning where I thought about changing it. And then I just kind of like let it play. And before I knew it, I was like really vibing hard on that record. I felt like that like cat in that video. I was just like, <laughs> you know, talking like the bobbin head cat was like just vibing on that shit hard. It's really, really good. Um, and then they did like a, the day of doom, uh, was like a festival and they did, uh, like a live series of a bunch of bands that played that. And I love all those bands and the recordings turned out really good. I feel like I steer away from, um, live stuff from time to time. I don't know why, but this translated really well. It was like horse hunter and Domcraft and, um, summoner and, there was a bunch of really great bands and they all did like their own separate thing. Um, the horse hunter one is really, really good. Dom Croft is great too. I, like they all are awesome. I would give them a listen. I would, like, you can't find it on Spotify just by typing in like the, um, the doom live thing, but, or maybe you can't, I think you just have to like look from them individually. It's kind of hard, but they're, it's worth looking into. They're really good. Um, the, I really liked that idols record too. I know like they get a lot of hate, but like, they're really, uh, like, I don't know. I thought that there's like a lot of energy and they're like fun. And if, I don't know, like, yeah, it's easy to hate everything that's pop or whatever, but like, there's people that are out there that are, that are liking that shit regardless. And if there's anything that these people are out there that they're going to like, I'd rather it be something like that than half the garbage that I see out there so i think they like kind of got an important platform and um i like to see that they're like goofy and whatever and i just like um i caught that band like kind of caught me by surprise too so um a buddy of mine like played on never fight a man with a perm or something and that song like instantly made me want to like beat the shit out of everyone so (laughs) oh man um, now that your, uh, your Dree Fontaine Creek has warmed up a little bit, how does it taste? It's nice. Um, it's wild. Cause I like between the, the bitterness 
of the IPA have kind of been going back and forth. And um, it's nice to kind of have a little bit of sweetness to cut that. Um, and it's, I'm getting a little bit more of um, like that rich cherry flavor rather than like it being like crisp and tart. Like when it was colder, it was definitely a little more sour. And now it's becoming a little more sweet. So like, and I got a little Coca-Cola over here too. So I've been bouncing back and forth. It's like a little IPA, a little bit of this. Finished off a little Coke. Nice. Yeah. Cherry, cherry cola. You got it. Sophisticated <laughs> shit over here. Bridgeport's greatest beverage program, Greg's house. Exactly. <laughs> the real uh, experience. Yeah. Uh, speaking of beverages, Luca, are you uh, are you in high life time or are you still living the light dream? I just cracked the high life like 10 seconds ago. This is my first Sick. Mm-hmm. Oh, damn. Oh, it's great. That's a good beer. Excellent. <laughs> uh, yeah. Do you, uh, Luca, do you want to jump in on um, on your uh, your top five? Yeah, I will. So, uh, yeah, um, I know. You asked for it out of order, uh, but my first choice, I think, is uh, hands down my favorite album of the year. It's uh, Thread of Light by Bruges. Uh, they're a four-piece from Chicago. Uh, dudes who are in a bunch of other heavy, kind of hardcore-ish bands, like Mortal Void and uh, uh, Angry Gods, uh, and they just play really, really loud heavy slow repetitive kind of psychopathic noise rock like their singer kind of does this like rambling spoken word thing and uh just layers and layers of really heavy droney bass and guitar and it's uh it's kind of got like some a little bit of like uh god flesh vibes at times a little bit of swans thing going on it's kind of like uh just this really bad vibesy uh metalish noise rock band they're phenomenal great band to see live the record's great uh their bass player is uh an engineer his name's matt russell he's recorded like oozing wound and stuff so it's he's really really talented so the record sounds incredible too just highly recommended uh i don't think they get enough love and they they should be they're uh they're phenomenal mm-hmm. um, i want to know what happened to angry gods yeah, I I love that band. Yeah, I mean they were great. Uh, I'm whatever they're, these dudes are doing now. I'm I'm totally happy with though. I will I will say that much. <laughs> it's, it's great. Mm-hmm. Um, my number two I had was a band called Exhalants from Austin, Texas. It's a, a noise rock trio. Um, kind of sounds like if Unsane had a baby with Slint, kind of like a aluminum neck guitar like sludgy noise rock with like sad introspective parts thrown in there. Uh, Just like punishing, heavy, really, really great record, like kind of acrobatic guitar parts, just insane drumming, just great record front to back. Not, not like a, not a lull in it. Just like, just killer noise rock. Uh, Highly recommended also. (laughs) Uh, My third choice was a band called brandy from new york city and that is that has a chicago connection their bass player is matt horde of running who lives in new york now and running like the kind of noise punk band for chicago uh so he lives in new york now and he started brandy with two dudes who played in that like garage rock band called pampers years ago 
and it's kind of this just like really fun blown out like kind of punk record it kind of has like some spitz qualities to it where it's kind of got that like bonehead repetitive vibe uh but uh it's kind of the it's got a lot of like cleverness like the way that the vocals go back and forth like uh it's kind of almost got like a if you can imagine like a punk rock b-52s thing like there's one guy that sounds like sassy and there's one guy that sounds kind of goofy and they kind of bounce back and forth in really really catchy ways while the band kind of just like pushes forward with like really like fuzzy stripped down punk it's it's really fun really really great um that came out on total punk records in orlando i believe um my fourth choice was the great dismal by nothing nothing is a band that i think everyone knows at this point just kind of the nick from a horror show who's like shoegaze revival thing and I think this is their best record. Just a lot of like My Bloody Valentine and Ride Warship. It's uh, they kind of retooled their lineup a lot. This is the first one. I, earlier, Greg mentioned Cloakroom. Uh, Doyle from Cloakroom is now in the band, and he's a genius when it comes to like crafting a really sad melody. So he's a a very great addition. I think it's just really pretty, catchy, sad new shoegaze music. It's it, every time they put out a record, I. I love it, and this one I love just as much. And, I feel um, like you can feel Doyle on that record for sure. Yeah, that it's got that, that, that sort of like a foggy, like syrupy thing he brings to things for sure. It, it's 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 there. It's great. I love it. Totally. Um, I'm happy that he's in that band. It's a it's great for all parties, I think. Uh, and my fifth choice was uh, Shame by Uniform. Uh, I really, really loved drunk driver back in the day which was the singer of uniforms old band uh i think they were maybe the best noise rock band of our generation just some of the most like unhinged live performances i've ever seen and uh it's th this new project it's a different beast but every time they put out a record it's better and better and this one is just phenomenal just it's kind of like a industrial noise punk i guess it's uh super heavy really bad bad feels all over it just all the playing is great the uh Berdan sounds unhinged it's awesome uh so yeah, i'm curious about this uh unhinged live performance <laughs> uh can you tell regale us with a tale uh so one time i saw them and like after the set the floor was just covered in like hundreds of broken bottles like just like you know, he was the Berdan, the singer, was like super reckless at the time. Like, you know, we put my old, old band I was in years ago, played with them both times they came to Chicago, and we set up both the shows in like kind of weird loft spaces. And like one of the shows, like I said, there was like kind of just people were going crazy and smashing tons and tons of bottles, and the members of the band were part of it too. They were smashing shit. Uh, and then the second time was at another loft and, you know, in like they're performing and he's hanging, he's while screaming in this microphone, he's hanging from these like chained up like fluorescent lights from the ceiling. Like he's hanging from it like 10 feet in the air, just like really like a uh, reckless, uh, no regard for your own or anyone's safety sort of pure punk performance. And <laughs> all along, like the band is just like, absolutely punishing just so over the top like uh blown out 
gross noise rock. It was just just really special moments like that that I'll, I'll forever cherish. <laughs> <laughs> I was at that show with the fluorescent lights, and I talk about it to this day as being like one of the most memorable sets I've ever seen in my life. I was like, they had these like really high up windows. It was um, like a like exposed brick where the windows were at. And I was like standing inside of where like the window frame was because there was nowhere to stand. And like they set up all their gear and uh, the girl in the band like took her guitar and just like slammed it into the amp. And there was just like all this crazy noise and chaos. And then the vocalist just grabbed like everyone that was in the front row and pushed them like five rows back. And then like everything just went to chaos after that. Like I remember them like swinging from those light fixtures and stuff. Yeah. It was fucking crazy. And it was also worth noting, I don't know if you remember, but that show was on a Super Bowl Sunday. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Did the cat burglars play that show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got one of those t-shirts that they printed that like apparently somebody like stole the entire box. So like no one ended up like I think they said that they only sold maybe the one that I bought or like a couple other ones. And then they <laughs> uh, like someone stole the entire box. So <laughs> you yeah, you have one of two that I know of at this point. The to but the to take away any like fun part of that myth, those shirts weren't stolen. They were left there by a member of my band. Oh shit! <laughs> it was our first show with these. We, we had a friend draw up these really really funny T-shirts. We were really proud of them, and we went to play that show. It was our first show with the new shirt, and then the one member of the band left the whole box of shirts there. We only sold a couple of them, and then we were going to go pick them up like the following week. And that same spot had a show in between us playing the show and us going to pick up the shirts. And at that show, the cops came and like, there was this huge like bus, like apparently someone at the show had a gun and the cops came like in droves and the landlord flipped out and booted everyone in the whole building. And then no one could get a hold of anyone to live there ever again. So those shirts are just gone. And uh, yeah. yeah, maybe, <laughs> Maybe one day, one day in years, you'll you'll be able to make some money off of the shirt of a forgotten Chicago punk band. <laughs> totally, <laughs> it's it's like it's like yellow too. It's like not an attractive shirt. I'll like never wear it. Um, yeah, that was that was the band aesthetic, pretty much. <laughs> totally, uh, what a great show! That's awesome. Yeah, it was very memorable. Very cool. The Exhalants. That was the first time that I had ever heard of that band and i fucking loved that album uh do you have any other since you're a significantly better storyteller than i am or better than most of our guests on the show do you have <laughs> uh any other stories about seeing these other bands because i imagine uh a band like the exhalants would put on a pretty killer show i've seen them twice and they're a they're a excellent band i but it was just standard like burlington weeknight mm -hmm. show uh nothing too out of the ordinary at the show but just an absolutely great band just like they're the kind of band that travels with too many amps so it's really really loud so it really it rattles you but uh if when things they're the kind of dudes that like will tour like 200 days a year so when things go back to normal i'm sure they will be back at it so everyone should see them every time 
<laughs> awesome. Yeah. Um, what about uh, some repressings or live albums or uh, other considerations outside of the list? Uh, so uh, I know like this is the North American version, but uh, I have a favorite record from Germany. I would have put it on my list if this wasn't only North America. For, For you, album. it can be whatever, Luca. All right. <laughs> it's, a, it's a record called Push by a band called Heads, and they're uh, they're not far off from like Bruges. They're kind of a, a you know, droney, uh, disturbing sounding like Swans sort of industrial noise rock. They're really really cool. Uh, the singer kind of has a similar uh, kind of bounces between like spoken word and like kind of. Uh, screaming his head off, kind of almost like uh, it reminds me a little bit of that newest daughter's record, kind of like uh, has that seasick vibe, you know, kind of kind of feels bad. So that's one of my favorite records of the year. Also, uh, they're from Berlin, I believe. And mm-hmm. then uh, at the very beginning of quarantine, Merge reissued the first two Polvo records, and I listened to those back to back every day for like three months straight. Uh, those that band is really really cool uh chapel hills answer to sonic youth i think they were called in the 90s so having those uh kind of repressed on vinyl um they're the new lacquers were cut here in chicago by chicago mastering service so got a little bit of a local connection so love that uh really really love the record the self-titled record by spice which is a ceremony offshoot and I am not the biggest ceremony fan, but this band Spice, the two of the dudes are in, is really, really cool. It's kind of like post-punky indie rock. It's uh, got like a lot of 90s feel to it, like kind of like little, almost like Bob Mold, like a Bob Mold band, kind of like that sad melody, like really lush guitar tones, but it's made by punk, so it's kind of a little bit more high energy. Uh, that's one of my favorites. And then... Uh, I really, really liked uh, Heaven or Hell by Don Tolliver. He's kind of like a hip-hop R&B singer from Houston. Uh, really cool, kind of dark, drippy, uh, hazy R&B stuff. He's, he's tied in with like Travis Scott and like those new school, like kind of psychedelic hip-hop dudes. So his new, it's his first full length. I listened to that all January long. So I think that kind of sums up my list for the most part. Mm-hmm. I've been enjoying front to back this year. Yeah, it's uh, definitely uh, a little different from my list and Sam's list and Greg's, which is awesome that we're getting uh, a very well-rounded picture of the heavy world. Um, I'm going to jump in here with my top five. I know there's maybe a little bit of crossover here with uh, myself and the others, but uh, that's okay. We were talking about 20 bucks spin earlier. I think, Greg, you mentioned 20 bucks spin, right? Yeah. Um, and I noticed that too, that they looked like they were starting the year off strong with a couple of releases. And then I think, um, uh, you know, the slowdown, the lockdown, everything else probably wasn't the greatest thing for them. Uh, but before all of that happened or right at the beginning of that, uh, the new Wake album came out and I thought that that was pretty phenomenal. Uh, I admittedly hadn't really paid a ton of ten- attention to them until, uh, you know, 20 bucks spin came back on my radar. And then I was really stoked about 
that Wake album. And then also I think there was like a Void Ceremony album that came out on 20 Bucks Spin. That was really good too. Um, but yeah, if you're in the mood for some crushing, heavy, fast uh, death metal, that Wake album is going to do it for you. Um, the new Gulch album, uh, Impenetrable Real Fortress. Yeah, it was really, really so good. Sick. Yeah, I really, really liked it a lot. And here's the thing is I was talking about it with uh, a buddy of mine who I would consider to be part of like the hardcore intelligentsia. And he's like, man, you're <laughs> such a poser. Like they print all this merch and it sells super fast. And like, uh, so apparently that was a thing, uh, but it did not clout my judgment. Um, <clears throat> apparently it's difficult to get one of their shirts because they sell out very quickly. Um, but I didn't really know about that at the time of listening to the album, probably for the better. Uh, but I thought this was a fantastic album. I mean, sub 20 minutes of real, real fast um, uh, punk inspired hardcore with a lot of other elements to it as well. Uh, it was recorded live. And so you get a very, very raw feeling of it that you're kind of at a show, which I enjoyed a lot too. For some reason, when I was listening to it, uh, all I could think about is what would that album be the soundtrack to? And all I could think about was how badly I wanted to bash in the head of a fucking Proud Boy. And so that would be my <laughs> head, my Proud Boy head bashing album. Uh, so congratulations, Gulch. Um, on to number three. Uh, not not yeah. to interrupt you too bad. I want to tell you though, if you love Gulch, you should. They yeah. share members with this band called Tsunami, as an S U N, uh, it's 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 S U N A M I. It's spelled wrong on purpose, and it's like this really really smooth brain, ignorant, like sludgy beat down hardcore band, and they have a fake beef, and like like Tsunami will sell T-shirts that say "Fuck Gulch" in all caps. <laughs> So if you're looking to like go down a rabbit hole, I would highly recommend checking out Tsunami members of Gulf. Okay. Awesome. I like it. Just had to throw no, it out but, there. No, thank you. Um, and as I understand it, like Gulch are f like originally from uh, California, but now their members are kind of spread out. Is that the same with this uh, uh, misspelled Tsunami band? I, I don't know. They like, do the shroud of mystery so you don't really know the whole story of who's in it but i so i'm not sure i think they're i think they're like san diego or something now okay cool gotta love the shroud of mystery yeah. um <laughs> uh speaking of bands that share members with other bands uh the atomic bitch wax comes in at number three uh for me i really kind of needed an album this year that was a rock and roll album and this one and earlier this year, the Horizont album kind of really did it for me. Uh, I've the band I was referring to is that I think now the Atomic Bitch Wax 100% shares members with Monster Magnet. It's typically like, you know, two out of three of them, but uh, really fantastic trio from uh, New Jersey. If uh, you like really kind of technical, uh, heavy rock music, really beautiful bass riff, like walking bass riffs, lots of guitar solos, uh, smart drums, uh, fantastic clean production. 
really, really enjoyable. Uh, they were a fun band to have at uh, Scorched Tundra a couple of years ago as the headliner with, uh, who was that? They were with Fistula, which was a pretty uh, ridiculous. Um... Did you write the preview article that year for the reader, Luca? Uh, I don't know. Uh, no, I think it was I think it was I someone think else. One. I think you did the first one. Um, in any event, uh, really fantastic, uh, fantastic band. Um, there's also a live recording of them uh, from Roadbird a couple of years ago that you can listen to, and I really recommend checking them out live. Uh, they tour uh, Europe all the time, and they come through this, uh, you know, Chicago with a little less frequency. But if you have the opportunity to see them live, do it because the music absolutely translates live. Um, uh, number four for me is the new Resin album, which we kind of talked about with uh, with Greg. Uh, but you know, another hour plus of uh, Resin is always a good thing for my life. And this one, I felt there was a lot more space for the instrumental parts of the band more a little more experimentation uh on the part of how the a little more like saxophone which i enjoyed a lot um and also on top of this too uh the um multi-instrumentalist of the band uh spencer uh put out a mostly like synth and uh electronic album earlier this year that uh, I definitely recommend people check out for like a little bit of a different side of a member of resin that I thought was, uh, was super cool. Um, resin, I feel like has been on a roll with uh, all of like the live stuff that they did with loom that we were able to see at the bottle uh, <laughs> last year. And like the live at audio tree stuff has been, uh, been pretty awesome. And I think they've also been, pretty unafraid of like putting themselves in different lineups too. Like I think the last time I saw them was at Ian's party uh, in January. <laughs> so um, it, that was a, a very interesting placement for them. Nonetheless, definitely uh, something to check out. And I'm rounding out with some American black metal from Archeron Thodol. Uh, I believe this is their first album. I admittedly couldn't find as much information about this band as I would like to. So uh, I'm presuming a debut album. Uh, real, real awesome. Uh, I wouldn't call it like lo-fi black metal, but the you really have to turn up your volume immensely to hear anything when you <laughs> listen to this album. Uh, but I get a lot of vibes of kind of mid 2000s Swedish death metal and quite a bit of like maybe uh, late 90s Pacific Northwest like Agaloc type when whispers turn to growls uh, type uh, vocal style. Uh, very triumphant at parts, uh, a lot of 10 plus minute songs, very shifting in the moods that you feel when you listen to it. Um, when I listened to this album, I was actually out in the woods walking around and I like had to sit down and collect myself. It was a really, really beautiful moment. And I really uh, can't recommend this album enough. Um, yeah. So that's the, the top five. I would love to see all of these bands live. I think uh, I've only seen 
atomic bitch wax and resin of them. So hopefully next year there will be uh, opportunities for that. Um, yeah, as far as repressings and other fun stuff, uh, I noticed Iced Earth put out the Alive in Athens anniversary. So this is the uh, 15th year or 20th anniversary of a live album that they put out in what I would argue would be the heyday of that album. So like the last, so that was something wicked this way comes on that tour. They did a pretty awesome show in Athens. Weirdly enough in my dive into this album, they released a DVD of that performance seven years later when half, if not all the lineup was totally different. So it's just kind of a, I think Iced Earth is one of those bands that uh, you tend to see stuff get re-released and cycled rather frequently. But um, for me personally, Alive in Athens was like a pretty awesome listen. And I remember like when you walked into Metal Haven, one of the first posters that was up there on the left was like this huge Alive in Athens uh, uh, cover. And that definitely influenced my purchase of that. Uh, but pretty, pretty fantastic. And I believe that Century Media also did a re-release of the first I of the self-titled Iced Earth album. And I believe there is a, uh, Demons and Wizards album coming out. So there's probably going to be in kind, some Blind Guardian stuff coming out. For those of you that like Wizards and Warlocks and fast guitars and double kick drums, you're going to have a great year next year. <laughs> um, <laughs> Demons and Wizards came out with a record this year, I think. Oh, was it this year? Okay. Um, it, maybe they've got more stuff coming too, but they were actually on, like in some of the stuff that I had in my, like when I was trying to trim the fat, they were actually on there. Um, out of that like first record they put out, I played the shit out of that record. Um, mm -hmm. I gave this one a quick spin, but um, I was, uh, I, I admittedly didn't give it the attention it deserved. <laughs> yeah, I think like when that first uh, Demons and Wizards album came out, I was going through this like massive power metal phase. I was in high school or it may have been my freshman year of college, but like I was a huge Blind Guardian fan. I was a massive Iced Earth fan. And that was like the coming together of the greatest things on earth uh, being, you know, the, the personalities involved. And I was just totally blown away. So it's uh it's cool to see stuff like that uh still going on and i assume that power metal will be the biggest genre of music in germany forever so it'll <laughs> probably keep probably keep going um as far as uh cover like uh there've been some covers that have been awesome this year i know i'm going to steal a little bit of your thunder sam but uh i'm going to anyways <laughs> there was a bunch of thou covers this year that they collected on a primer of holy words uh specifically there was an allison chains cover i liked a lot of no excuses there was also like a pearl jam cover that i liked uh that i believe was the first song on vitology or the uh, animal album that was pretty awesome if you're feeling covers check out all of the covers that thou has done this year uh highly recommended i don't know have uh has anyone else been uh into those covers this year oh fuck yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah absolutely i think i mentioned them on the the first time i was on to that like 
that uh, the Nirvana covers that they did. I don't even like Nirvana, to be honest. And I play the shit out of those songs. Like, and it brought in like a nostalgia that like, I didn't even realize I had for that band, given <laughs> I don't even really like them. It was like, it still made me feel this weird connection to that time period. Um, and there's like a cool diversity between like them and like uh, introducing their own take on it. But there's like some of the songs they, I don't want to say it sounds like the actual song, but you can tell it's like some of them, they play heavy as fuck and some of them, they just kind of like ease up onto. It's really cool to see their approach to how they do some of these songs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What what about you, Luca? Not not a fan of covers. I I haven't spent to be completely honest. I haven't spent much time with Thou. I'm probably missing out though, huh? <laughs> uh, if, if you like any and, of the things that we mentioned, if you don't, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I saw them actually. I saw I saw Thou one time. They did like a team up with uh, the body, and they they did a. Uh, the, they did a Nine Inch Nails cover to close up the set, so that must just be their their thing, huh? <laughs> cover, they cover did, uh, the, the cover band, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, I, I never, never like, I've never sat down with a Thou record, um, and I feel silly sitting with you guys guys here like raving about it that I don't have anything to add. So I I will add that to my list of things to check out. Uh, I mean, I, I could definitely lead on that note. <laughs> um, I will say though, uh, there were a couple, there was a non-metal notable that totally blew me away this year. And I pulled up the press release about it because I would like to uh, read to you uh, some of this press release. Cause I thought it was pretty exceptional. Ak Kamel, the giver of illness, they put out uh, an album called The Totemist. And it's very sort of uh, experimental, atmospheric uh, kraut. I I wouldn't even call it kraut because kraut like connotes a little more of the the sounds of like East and West. But this is more uh, Amerindian, perhaps. I don't know. I'm going to I'm just going to read some of it. So this uh, this is their first vinyl release. They had put out some. Some cassettes before. The Totemist marks a new direction for this mysterious group. Uh, I did find out when I ordered the uh, record that it came from Texas. So there's a Texas connection. Um, Equipped with studio quality recordings and a somewhat lighter tone, opposed to the oppressively low fi sound of the group is known for. So fun to dig into that. This is a deep psychedelic folk album with hints of mysticism, some of which was written and recorded in a ghost town in the Chihuahuan Desert in far west Texas, a place where the dead outnumber the living. So that's sick. Various overdubs and field recordings were captured in the historic Terralunga Cemetery, an ancient burial ground filled with small grottoes and graves made of sticks and stones this being the final resting place for miners who succumbed from illness derived from the toxic rare earth element known as mercury. Uh, Akamel, the giver of illness, are fourth world's post-colonial cultural cannibalists circumcising the foreskin of enlightenment. Performing in house-made costumes and masks, they have played festivals in various cities around the U.S., gaining international attention from a number of publications and many more. 
enter the fourth war, the fourth world now. So I didn't know there was a fourth world, but uh, <laughs> after listening to this, I realized there was one, and I, yeah, I, I, the album hit me really hard, and I remember, uh, I was doing something stupidly mundane, like fixing my scanner and the album came up in a playlist and I literally just had to stop what I was doing and like sit still for a while and take it in. Uh, it was really uh, incredible. Just the, the atmospheric element of it. Um, highly cerebral. Uh, you know, you can say something about it in the context of contemporary culture as well. Uh yeah, listen to it. It's fucking mind blowing. Um, Luca, have they sent you a promo? They have not, but I I wish they did. It sounds awesome. I'm gonna yeah. <laughs> make a note of it right now, actually. Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna have them play in Chicago and they can uh write a fourth <laughs> fourth dimension album about our Chicago River, right? Um <laughs> yeah. and well, uh I have it pulled up, so once we're off, I'm gonna be putting that guy on. Yeah. Um, and then a last honorable mention here, uh, the new year of the knife album I thought was really cool. I I'm not like, uh, an enormous, I'm not uh, clearly, I'm not a wealth of knowledge as far as hardcore music goes. Uh, but I've seen performances of year of the knife and I know that they bring like a massive, uh, a massive presence live. And this album I thought was really cool because of the extensive use of the heavy metal pedal. And so it gave this hardcore album a little bit more of like a thrashy uh, metal vibe than what I've gotten from their past records. So um, yeah, Black Breath goes hardcore, I guess. But it was fantastic. Uh, really recommend that for folks that are looking to broaden their heavy music diet a little bit. There were a lot of really great hardcore records this year. I actually like, I refrained from putting any on there because I felt like I was going to leave a bunch out if I even put one on. So I tried to kind of keep it all towards metal, but uh, that you were the knife and Gulch, and I was like, I was happy to see them on your list because there was uh, a bunch of stuff I saw that I definitely would have liked to have put that um, Buried Alive released a single for the first time and like, 20 years or something like that or 15 years or something it's like um that record came hard as hell i um always thought they were like one of the hardest bands in hardcore anyways and scott vogel's obviously like a powerhouse in the hardcore scene and terror's like the biggest thing to happen to hardcore since i don't even know what so like um i i much preferred buried alive personally and it was a, a bummer that their life was cut short as a band for whatever reasons. I don't even know why they broke up, to be honest. But um, I thought that that single was like a really good effort. Um, I'm excited to see like whatever new stuff they've got coming to you. Awesome. Uh, Sam, do you want to jump in and do your uh, your top five? Sure. Uh, Luca. As you can probably see on my little list here, uh, mm -hmm. thou, thou has made the top. <laughs> um, so this year, Thou did an album with Emma Ruth Rundle, who I'm a huge, huge fan of. Um, May Our Chambers Be Full. It's 
So that was very doomy and sludgy. And then Emma Ruth, she covers a lot of territory. I even like her Red Sparrows band uh, from before she broke off with that and went full acoustic, but she covers this dark acoustic kind of realm. And having those two fields just merge in such a way, it was absolutely beautiful. Like the really drawn out acoustic parts that are very large and you feel like you're trapped in a chamber. Um, were just unbelievable. And I remember the moment this record stuck out to me, I was just going through a lot in, uh, I think this album came out in September and, um, I was on my way to Michigan to visit a friend in Ann Arbor, but I stopped on the West side of Michigan and just walked through a forest that led through the lake. And I just listened to that album in full and it just fucking changed my whole perspective of that album. Uh, just, walking through the forest on a gray ass day in the middle of nor nowhere near to the end of September, but my God, uh, it's an amazing album. And the last song on that record, the Valley, it encapsulates the whole album really well. It also is just the perfect ending point and it kind of circulates the album. You'll want to go back and listen to it again after that. It's just an amazing record. Um, number two, I picked Huntsman. Uh, I think, you know, that album was just amazing. It covered everything from an ambient metal zone to actually riffage metal. And then there were even like little bits of country twang in there that I really appreciated. Um, so yeah, I mean, if you're a fan of kind of a more expansive style of metal, that band on that record just totally covers many different kind of genres in each song. It's really cool to kind of take a journey through it. Um, number three is Hum. I don't, I, to me, this is heavier, but it's, if you took the Smashing Pumpkins and made it a little darker and you didn't have Billy Corgan singing for it and it was a like a dude who could actually sing, um, this band is fucking good and this new record was really cool it's really spacey it's got that droning kind of sound that you get with the smashing pumpkins with a little less riffage and just builds out it's a little heavier it's it's a fun record to kind of dive into and they're right here well they're from bloomington so they're not far out of the city um Greg, I agree with you. In the Company of Serpents put out an amazing record this year. The riffs on that record were unbelievable. And um, actually, for everyone tuning in, we will have Grant on next week. So we'll probably talk about this record a little bit. Um, and then finally, the new Imperial Triumphant record, Alphaville, was awesome. It's that very avant-garde black metal jazz you don't really know what the fuck's going on. It's like every turn of the corner, it's a new, new time change, new fucking instrument horns being added. And you, the whole time you're just wondering where the fuck am I going? And you really never know throughout the whole record, which I find really enjoyable. And uh, yeah, so those are my top five. Um, as far as singles go, Wraith, a band from Indiana, uh, right over the border. They put out a really cool three-song single EP called Speed Armageddon. They're a fun thrash band that I feel really lucky to have really close to us because I get to see them more than most people do. Um, and then Earthless put out a single called Never Say Die. 
which was hearkening some Thin Lizzy vibes super hard that I really, really dug. Um, and then last but not least, non-metal. Kurt Vile always kind of dug his sound, always dug the style. He put out a little short EP that had a lot of country twang to it that I dug this year. Um, Speed Sound, Lonely, KV. And then Soft Kill, uh, Dead Kids, RIP City. Again, if you're a fan of that new wave sound with a dark twinge, it is absolutely amazing. And I didn't write it down, but I cannot stress Gramps the Vamp enough. That band, Gramps the Vamp. They put out an album called Keeper of the Void this year, and it just dances so many lines, so many genres. But again, they're here from Chicago, so hopefully when things kind of open up again, um, I will be dragging all of you to a Gramps the Vamp show because this album rips. Sick. Awesome. Uh, yeah, looks like uh, we've got some a really awesome variety of albums this year. So it was uh, really, yeah, I think a great year for heavy music in general. We chose stuff from a lot of different record labels, mostly small guys, which is fantastic to see as well. What uh, What's everyone kind of looking forward to next year as far as releases? Um uh, Luca, what are, what are you looking for as far as next year? Uh, they keep posting about it on like Facebook and stuff, but apparently Cloakroom is going to make a new record soon. And that's one of my favorite bands of all time. So, uh, hopefully that happens soon. Definitely looking forward to that. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I'm like really stoked for that I know of that's happening at least, uh, off the top of my head, I'm not sure. Uh, Cloakroom is always a big one, and I know they keep talking about new stuff, so that, that'll that be cool. And mm-hmm. I'm also looking forward to, uh, you know, like seeing a band play live maybe and going out to a bar and seeing some friends and having a drink and uh, going out to eat at a cool restaurant and hugging a friend, you know, <laughs> looking for all that. Mm-hmm. Too. It'll Absolutely. feel like you bought like 20 new records the first time you walk into the empty bottle and there's like live music happening. Yeah, that'll that'll happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, what about what about for you, Greg? Is there anything that's on your radar for next year? Yeah, I like I should have done a little more research on like actual anticipation as to who's planning on putting stuff out, but like I could have swore that uh, Dim put something on their Facebook, like a little teaser that they had like something to look out for, but they didn't really say what it was. It was like really. Um, uh, not cryptic, but just like they left it pretty open ended. Um, I reached out to a few people to see if it was like a record, and no one really had any info. But I don't know those dudes personally, but I love that band so much, and the like first two EPs were great. So I would love to see them put out a full length, or like even another EP would be great. I like, um, I only have, I maybe I do have both on vinyl, but um, I could play the grooves out of that shit that band rules um so hopefully that comes out and then um i feel like electric wizards gotta be due for a new record that last one came out a while ago i didn't love it to be honest but um i'd love to see them put out some new material and um also dead meadow that band is like one of my favorite bands ever and they're like they're always like putting in efforts and they're putting out like all these reissues and stuff like that. So it would be really sick 
to see them put out some new material and um maybe loom too i don't know if they're working on anything new but um i feel like that uh they did that collab with resin or whatever and um the last one wasn't out that long ago but i feel like they've got to be due for a new record kind of soon um and i really like them a lot i could probably come up with some more metal stuff too but that's what's uh just coming up off the top of my head yeah yeah no i think it's uh it's challenging to know what's coming up and i think uh you know the industry is still kind of adjusting and finding its footing and um yeah hopefully we see uh you know a good push of albums going in and eventually some opportunities to see these things live it's going to yeah. be uh it's going to be wild once we can go back to shows and there will be concerts every night <laughs> <laughs> definitely yeah. yeah i'm i'm hopeful i think it'll happen i'm also like I know Nurgle's been teasing some new behemoth, which I'm itching to get my hands on. And uh, that band, Alexi Mount Saturn, that we found from Washington has been teasing some stuff. So I think, you know, we're going to see a sort of return to live music towards the latter half of the year, which will be really refreshing. Mm. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, hope so. And uh, for those in Mount Saturn that uh, are sitting on that email from a couple of years ago, you're still invited to play Scorched Tundra <laughs> if you want to make the trip to Chicago. Um, sick. Well, I feel like uh, we've covered some good ground. I want to thank um, Greg and I would like to thank Luca as well for joining us. Thanks for having me again. It's always a, always a good good time. Yeah, mm-hmm. hopefully next time we can do this in person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be yeah. awesome. Yeah, well, yeah, thanks we're again. In great huh? company today. Yeah, so we no, definitely. Definitely. So. Yeah, well, uh, thanks everyone, and we'll see you uh, We'll see you all next year. Yeah. Cool. See you next year. Take care. Peace, guys. See you all right. Guys.